One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Our most important job as parents is to prepare our children for life, especially the things that formal education leaves out. And while they'll learn to count and calculate money at school, they might well not learn about how to be good with money. With me today, I have clinical psychologist Angharad Rudkin and parenting author Tanith Carey, who believe that it's fundamental for children to know about the economic realities of life and that parents are best positioned to teach them this. Angharad Tanith, thank you so much for joining me today. I feel like as as the British, we have kind of grown up in a world where sometimes the British find it a little bit difficult to talk about money. It's kind of considered something that you just don't really talk about. And yet it's very important. Angharad, can you talk to me about why it's so important that we we teach our children about money? Well, because it's all part of developing an understanding of the world. So we can't expect our children to suddenly pop out of our homes at the age of 18 and, and know intuitively how to use money and how to understand it. So we've got to teach them from an early age what it means, what it does and how best to handle it. And you're right, culturally, you know, it's considered a rather dirty topic to talk about as long with sex and nudity. And I just think we're getting much better as a society now in understanding that we have to talk about these things to help our children understand what it means. Absolutely. And and what I'd love to know, what sort of skills would they develop? Tanith, what sort of skills would you develop from a sort of understanding about money? Is it just the money or do they develop additional skills as well? I really think that money is the most amazing learning tool there is. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it starts off looking to children like it's a toy but then it starts to become this really this 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 thing that has so much meaning and they can learn mental maths with it they can learn to control impulses they can learn to they can learn to delay gratification i mean it's got so many different meanings wrapped up in one and it's a great way also to chart your child's development because you know their understanding of money also sh- shows how they're starting to understand the world so for example you know before the age of 5 they might just think it's a toy but then on, they they soon start to understand that there's a transaction involved I mean up to a certain point they also think that all grown-ups get money for free they think that when they when we go up to a cash point it's just being handed out willy-nilly so this kind of the way they understand money also shows how they start to understand the world yeah, one of the things my husband always talks about with our children is he quizzes them on how much things cost because he feels it's really important that they have an idea of how much does a pint of milk cost, how much does a car cost, how much does uh, a scooter cost, just so they have some idea. Because actually, you almost like sort of think they would know this because we do. But actually, 
unless we talk about it. And that's one of the things we do as, as British people sometimes find it a bit uncomfortable talking about. But it, it is important to have that conversation. Am I right? Um, I, I think so, too. I think also as parents, we tend to think that we should protect our ch- children from the knowledge of kind of the harsh realities of earning a living. And I actually, I think by doing that, we actually do them a vast disservice because it's really important that they see money doesn't grow on trees in the sort of the words of the cliche, but it is earned. And there's a sort of, a, there's a really very direct transaction there. Hmm. Absolutely. And I think there's also a risk of money becoming tied in with a, emotions in in family so often when i'm working with families talk about currencies so how is love and attention and care shown what's the currency in that family and sometimes it literally can be money you know that you buy gifts in order to show your care but for a lot of families it's not about that it's about time it's about words so i think money as one version of currency is quite a an important one but it also ties into this broader range of development as Talith says around delayed gratification self-regulating your emotions being able to look into the future and plan ahead so it's so much more than just a five pound note in your hand yeah and the idea that you you can't have something immediately but that if you are really restrictive then you can save for it and I suppose it's also that early idea of you know the more effort you put into something more likely you are to get what you want and presumably too you know talking about money enables them to understand when it's not appropriate to talk about money you know unless you have that conversation to say you know we can talk about how much the milk costs and but actually you shouldn't really go up to your friend and say how much did your scooter cost or how much did your car cost or at least be a little bit careful about that so presumably that's all part of the sort of narrative around around money yes and and it's and it's very complex it's like other very blurry areas like deception and lying and being polite and stuff isn't it and my seven-year-old he wrote a thank you letter to an elderly relative for his five pounds of birthday money and his letter went thank you for the five pounds now I have 45 pounds to spend on toys um because everybody else gave me money too love Arthur and I was like you can't you can't write that 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 isn't what you should be writing and it was genuinely perplexed because he was saying thank you for five pounds and he's wanting to let the elderly relative know this is added to my other pot of money so it's conversations like that around well it's not nice to talk about money outside of the family when they haven't asked necessarily about money and absolutely it's, it's a tricky one it is a tricky one for kids to get the rights and wrongs of and certainly you get kids who are sort of nine ten and they're coming back to school and saying oh Bella was telling me how much her daddy earns and suddenly it becomes a real you know my dad's taller than your dad sort of conversation that used to happen when I was young the who's got the most status who's got the most power and again that's another learning opportunity for you as a parent to explain why that isn't such a nice appropriate conversation to be having I remember being aghast I think I was walking with Iona to you know to drop a cousin off at a club it was like a sort of day camp and she said how much does it cost and I said oh I think it's about 40 pounds for the day she went oh well that's not much I was like that's a huge amount for you, Iona. That's a huge, and I was sort of aghast that my little, I was like, imagine if someone had overheard this conversation, but it did <laughs> enable us to have the conversation that actually giving your perspective is quite an intimate thing to give and you just have to be a little bit careful about offering that. I'm interested to know, like when we start that conversation about money, like how early is too early or is there no such thing as too early? Tanith, when, when would you recommend having, starting that conversation about money? 
Well, I, I think one of the um, the great opportunities to start talking about money is that wonderful favourite game of playing shops, you know, which is just a great opportunity, isn't it, to sort of point out that it's a you you give this amount for this service and and you know money is something that you is a finite amount you can only use it once. So I think that's perfect. And I think also, like, you know, Monopoly is fantastic, isn't it? And it's so great because, you know, the great thing about childhood is that you can make mistakes with money and it's not too serious. And then because your attitude to money is formed by the age of seven, you know, you're taking fantastic lessons into the grown-up world where, you know, if you do get into debt or you can't pay your bills, you are in serious trouble. So I just think it's a great training ground for you know financial acumen and, and knowledge and understanding yeah absolutely and it can start as you say Tanith from you know the age of two or three where imaginary play you're you're playing cafe or shop or anything like that and then it moves into more rule-based play around monopoly or there's this game called payday um that my kids used to love but you can talk about money from from the start it can be a part of a conversation just as you talk about all other aspects of of life so it can start very early but as Tan says around the age of seven when children enter the sort of stage of logical thinking and they can start holding in mind numbers and concepts then it kind of switches into a far more adult-like mode of understanding money but it's about characteristics and it's about attitudes as much as knowledge as well and you could be promoting those from day one about equality and about working hard to earn money about not being paid before you get the job before you do the job so for example when I'm working with teens around procrastination and stuff we talk about it as you don't get paid before you do your work you get paid at the end of your job and it's like that with giving yourself treats at the end of a task that you've got to do and it's a way of helping them to tackle procrastination so there's loads of characteristics around the subject of money that we can really promote from from the start I remember my children having the obsession about you know selling things so actually making things and selling things and earning money and actually during lockdown they grew their own vegetables and we did a kind of children's farmers market and and they sold it and actually it was so empowering, I think, for them to be earning money legitimately. I mean, I do remember little blips when they sort of loved the idea of the shop and then they went around my house basically stealing my things and trying to sell it back to me. <laughs> but it enabled us to have the conversation about, you know, the worth of things and how much you think people are going to buy things for and how much they think it's worth. But also the idea that you can't just go into my bathroom, take my toothbrush and then say, yeah, that's, that's stealing, <laughs> which is, again, a really important conversation to have. Entrepreneurship, Marina, that's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Criminality, I think. <laughs> but I suppose that kind of imp- money is empowering and sort of starting that conversation with them is probably quite an important one to have. It, it feels good to earn money. It feels It feels really rewarding. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the great things that we have lost probably over the last 20 or 30 years is that our children are so busy at school they tend not to have part-time jobs which I think is a great shame and um, I can only speak from a personal point of view just on my own children obviously but um, ever since Lily and Cleo they started getting jobs when they were about 14 or 15 um, as sort of um, they would practice the violin with other children younger children and they would go through their repertoire and practice scales and you know, I really saw a real leap in responsibility and, and careful spending after they were able to sort of earn sort of £15 an hour. <laughs> Better not tell the tax man, but yeah. 
<laughs> that's actually something I hadn't really thought about but you're right mm. I think that is so important and you know arguably more important than what what else they were doing you know what was it extra netball extra mass mm. drilling you know the importance of actually you know earning your own money and working out what to do with it and presumably also then working out whether or not you need to pay tax and just at least mm. calculating that and being aware of that yeah absolutely at my kids school they did a, a project called grow a fiver where the parents gave their children five pounds and they had to, had a month to grow it so they had to basically think of their own businesses and this was done broadly across the school which was five till 13 and it was so interesting to see the kind of business concept they came up with and it was such a fantastic learning experience that encompassed you know not only the kind of calculations of of you know maths working out the the value of money and working out what your profit was and what your profit margins were but also then the creativity and the marketing and the social skills and it felt like such a sort of complete education in one exercise it was something that you know I, I've that my children loved because also it sort of made it them realize how school was relevant to the real world you know so often they're doing these math problems and they're like well oh. But how is this going to be really helpful? And it showed them firsthand how important these skills are in, in kind of grown up life that they aspire to. Brilliant idea. Yeah, it sounds absolutely great. And the fact that the five year olds doing it as well as the 13 year olds is that real sort of unifying concept, isn't it? That actually money is important to all of us. There's a certain status attached to money. But with, again, some of the families that I work with, money only becomes an issue when it's a problem as in it's only talked about then when there's a lack of it or there's a concern about it or there's a problem around it if parents are divorced for example and there's issues around money so unless we have spoken to our children about money as they've grown up chances are the first time they're going to hear about it is when there is a real anxiety about it and that can cause you know they're not going to learn in the same way if they're feeling incredibly anxious about money in the family in general so I think again that's really important that things like that at school that you know we could even do that as a family together you know let's see who can who can make this one pound go furthest or make it grow I think that's such an important thing for children to have experience of. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And what about pocket money, which obviously we've all grown up with. It's something that, you know, we all had. How important is pocket money in teaching children about money? Is that its purpose or is it there just for more sort of being able to give them a bit of independence? What's what's the purpose of pocket money? I think um, both. I mean, I with pocket money, particularly with teenagers, I think it's a really great learning experience to sort of treat it as a salary so that 
I think what you'll find with teenagers, particularly now, where we've all got cards and even they've got cards, is that they don't really understand. They don't have the physicality of it. They, it just becomes a kind of a, a, a kind of theoretical idea. But if you make it in, if if you ask them to spend pocket money like a salary, so that they can't ask ask for it up front in the same way that you you wouldn't if you were in a job, and if they spend over their limits, they have an overdraft and. All those concepts, I think, are really, really important. I mean, I think in younger children, it is about giving them some more autonomy and also helping them sort of come to great, to good, to good decisions. So, I mean, even if your child is buying something you think is the most ridiculous piece of plastic tat, I think that you have to allow them to make mistakes. And maybe sort of two months afterwards, maybe you could look back on that decision and say, well, do you think in retrospect that that was worth it? I mean, I've certainly done that with Cleo, where she's a bit of a little spendthrift and she's bought things and she goes, oh, I wish I hadn't spent, and, you know, and, and that's a kind of a learning curve. And then as they go to an older, to the next phase of adolescence and then in preparation for sort of university and, and jobs, I think really just treat it in the same way, you know, it should be paid consistently out of, like on a direct debit. So there's no negotiation, there's boundaries around it, because otherwise what happens if is that, you know, you'll get teens endlessly, oh, they're on Wagamama or they're here, they're there. Oh, mum, can you put an extra five pounds in my car? It's a, you, you just become the equivalent of a cash point and life isn't like that. Do you know what I mean? I think it's really important that they don't think that, you know, parents and life is a cash point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think pocket money, it can, yeah, it serves the two functions. Um, but an interesting thing that a lot of parents ask about is should it be tied to homework, piano practice, jobs? Good behaviour. Good behaviour, absolutely. And actually, it's what you've got to do is as a parent or as a parenting team is sit down together and think, what are we giving this money for and certainly as teenagers it is for that independence that they can go to Starbucks or something at the way home from school with their friends um but actually there could be separate pots of money so there can be your your wage as Tanith said so your monthly or your weekly wage but then actually if you do need more money if you are going to go out for dinner again or if you do want that more expensive top then actually you're going to need to earn that money by doing mm. jobs but of course if you pay children to be good or to practice or to do their homework what you're doing is taking away that intrinsic um, motivation to do those things so you're making them do it for a reward and then that can cause problems down the line where they just think well, there's no point doing that um so I think we have to be very careful with pocket money, but you can have different kinds of versions of pocket money, one on top of the other. You can have layers of pocket money. That's a really interesting concept, not one that I've ever thought about. But yeah, essentially being a decent person, being helpful and kind and generous is something we should expect and not not necessarily reward. And I suppose if we teach them to that it is rewarded, it's giving them you know, the idea that they don't always have to be like this. If they don't need any money, then they can be awful people and they'll get away with it, which is the worst lesson you could possibly give your child. How how much should we give, be giving our children in terms of pocket money and how do we work out what is appropriate? I mean, I was I remember being given five pounds for each year that I was. So when I was 10, I was given 50p. And I read the other day that the average pocket money for a similar age child is now 10 pounds, which I mean, I don't know that much about inflation, but I think that is not in line with inflation. It seems a huge amount more. How 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 should we be calculating this? And and I guess also, should it be linked to how old they are? Tanith, do you have an opinion on this? 
Yeah, I think that 50p for each year of a child's life is fine up to the time they go to secondary school and they do have some more outgoing. So, for example, you know, say from 11, I think £11 a week is OK, £12 for 12 or 13. I think that's about right as a rule of thumb. I don't know if I'm being overgenerous, but um, I think that seems to work in my experience. So, I mean, my 15-year-old gets £15 a week and that seems to cover what she needs and, and I don't... Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very difficult, isn't it? In our book, we talk about um, sort of half their age, mm. um, which goes to that 50 pence idea, doesn't it? But it just depends what that includes. Does that include, for example, all of their travel, if they're taking the bus into town or something? Does it involve clothes? And if so, which clothes? The essentials, the non-essentials? I think it could be very difficult. And all you can use as a rule of thumb is what works for you as a mm. family. And then it's about consistency. So if it is 50 pence a week, then consistently yeah. give 50 pence a week. You know, it's better to go under rather than over promise things um, because then children can build it up. And it's also, yeah, what kinds of things your children then do with it. Because, of course, once you've given the money, you can't then dictate what they do with it. It's their money and that's why you're giving it to them. And so it's up to you as a parent to think you know if I did give them 10 pounds a week when they're seven do I trust what they would do with that 10 pounds a week or is that just going to cause more anxiety and frustration and annoyance for me so it's a it's a kind of complex equation because you, you believe, believe it's, it's really important that the money you give them really is their money and that they can absolutely choose what they spend it on yeah I do yeah absolutely because so you know, what if um, 10 quid of sweets, that's quite a lot of sweets. And if you've got a child who's like, I'm just going to buy gobstoppers and eat them the whole time. And then you're washing your child's teeth rot. Can, when can you sort of come in and just say, you know, this can't continue. I know it's your money, but you, you will have no teeth left if every week you spend 10 pounds on, on sweets. How do, you, how do you deal with that? Well, I mean, I think that I would question how that how eating that that many sweets makes that child feel. I mean, I don't think I think that they have to learn from their mistakes, and I think childhood is an opportunity to learn from those mistakes, and those mistakes also have to come more from within. I mean, obviously, as parents, we guide them, we ask them to kind of like question what the outcomes of their decisions their decisions are. But I mean, I found as a parent um, that that's been the best lesson my children have learned. I mean, I can tell my children. You know, for example, I've got teenagers, oh, you know, don't buy loads of stuff at Urban Outfitters, but until they realise that they only wore that top once or they don't have any money left afterwards, I don't think that I, that lesson's really going to hit home. So I, I just think we have to kind of really hold our nerve, you know, and just be consistent. And, you know, I think also it's really important not to, to, to pay it out of a direct debit because if it becomes you paying that money I think then they'll come to you and they'll try and bargain and negotiate you've also got you've always got to triangulate it so there's not a lot of negotiation going on and then let them make their own mistakes yeah and I, and I would agree with that you know your child maybe two weeks on will start to realize that their teeth hurt quite a bit after spending 10 pounds on sweets and maybe it's not the best way of doing it and you can reflect with them on it you know like Tanith was saying with her daughters you know you can say to them do you think that was the best thing to spend your money on how does it feel now two weeks on so you can reflect with them about it but when you hand over that money it's it is their money and so that's why you've got to be comfortable as a parent with how much you are giving them and as I say I, I think you're always better erring on the side of less rather than more until you've built up that trust and that understanding and presumably when it comes to the amount too, it's probably also worth just speaking to your friends and the parents of, of your children's friends to see what they're getting. Because, I mean, presumably 
if there is a child that's getting double or triple what everyone else in the year is getting, it's marking them out. It's making them different. And that might well present its own problems. Am I, am I right in thinking that, Anne Harrod? Definitely, definitely. And um, I was working with a child a couple of years ago and, and, and he'd been singled out as the rich boy in the class. And, and that wasn't that didn't come with much sort of status and pleasure because actually it was just creating jealousy and um, sort of annoyance in his peers. So that that was a cross he sort of had to bear and it was a really difficult one. So I think you don't want to single out your child at either extreme. So finding out from your friends what you're giving and also, as I say, finding your comfortable spot as a family, then it's more likely to fit in then with their peer group and it won't single them out as much. Yeah. And obviously then pocket money, you know, transforms into an allowance. The idea being that presumably they get given an allowance less frequently, but it's a larger amount and they are required to not only buy totally frivolous things that they could live without, but certain things that they couldn't live without. And they have to work out then what, you know, what to spend their money on and and make those mistakes in terms of an allowance again how what, what how much freedom would you give them would you say literally okay all your toiletries you're going to you're going to have to start buying yourself or do you start it little by little and sort of increase them as they that as they as they get a bit older yeah i think one thing that i've done with my children is um i've made the uh, pocket money monthly particularly with lily who's my elder daughter and at what stage did you do that I did it last year. So that gives her a more long-term view of her spending and she can see the bigger picture. So I thought that was a really good preparation for her for university. So that would have um, been when she was about 17 or so. 17, 17 yeah. yeah. And I mean, interestingly, we had a situation this week where she still had her old Go Henry card on which we used to put her pocket money before. And we could see from the transactions that she was, uh, now that she's at college, she was desperately trying to get an Uber and there was no money on her Go Henry card. And my husband said to me, oh, you know, should we put it, put some money on this card and help her out? And I was thinking, this is really hard because obviously I could see, imagine my child somewhere in London trying to get a, a, an Uber. And I was like, well, do I come to the rescue or do I step back? and let her, you know, out of the budget that she's got for university, work out those kind of, um, the, the, her budget for herself. And I, I had to go with with, with, the, with the, last, the latter one, you know, and it's just sometimes it is hard, you know, but something, you know, if they don't learn, they will. And also what happens with children is if you don't say, put some boundaries, they'll just keep coming back for more. Do you sort of mean? So I just think you have to say, here's a box and you have this amount and it's now up to you to, to decide how you spend it. I remember when I was younger, I had an in case of emergency credit card that was my father's credit card. And, you know, I was quite a good child. And he did say, listen, this is really only if you get stuck. And I was traveling a bit independently. But are you saying that that is not a, a good thing to do now, Ang Harrod? Should we be, you know, is that lesson that actually the money is finite and there is no backup here? Is that a more important lesson to learn than, you know, potentially thinking, I don't want my child walking back from Hackney at two o'clock <laughs> in the morning because there's not enough money on their card for an Uber? I think, yes, I think absolutely. And I think for, you know, Tanith and for parents who know that they've trained their children from a very young age in how to manage and handle money then actually you can trust them to make decisions that will probably work out okay for them i mean if you know tanner's daughter was stuck in the middle of i don't know bangkok oh, yeah. without money then it would be a different yeah, yeah. fish, <laughs> and you would get the emergency card out because yeah. you know your kids also need to know that you're there you know whenever oh it was a postscript to that she was just she was just late for 
<laughs> she was late in the morning, so she wasn't stuck in a party. She was just she hadn't got up in time. So that's the lesson. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> and I think that sounds, you know, that sounds great because actually these natural learning opportunities that occur day in, day out in children's lives and teenagers' lives, if we swoop in at each point and take those away, they're actually not learning. All they're learning is our version of how we're going to keep helping them out. So it's a very tricky tightrope. Um, but the earlier you start, the better. And you can just start with little bits of money, little coins, and it just helps children to understand yeah, the meaning of money. I think one of my early memories about money was I think when I was at university and I totally overspent and I remember having the fear that I would not be able to buy food because I had spent so much money and I think it's such a healthy thing to have experienced that oh my god I've totally messed up here and I think it's turned me into a bit more of a cautious person when it does come to money I've always got one eye on you know but do we definitely have enough and I think that that was such an important thing for for me to experience so obviously you know goes with and listen I think my parents would have helped me out and and in case but I, I remember taking that very seriously and remember recognizing that actually that that feeling was a really healthy one to to experience yeah I mean same I remember at Durham I lived for a week on Ribeaters and I've never forgotten it so you know painful at the time but an important life lesson <laughs> Uh, there's obviously a danger in, in giving your children too much money too. I mean, I know a lot of parents, you know, have saving accounts for children. There are tax-free cash ices for, for children that you can put money in. But obviously then you're potentially giving your child a much larger sum of money at a time when they may not be mentally equipped to be making, you know, appropriate decisions. How do you think it's a good thing for children, for parents to be putting money away from their, for their children that they can access potentially at 18? Or do you think that's potentially quite a harmful thing? What do you think, uh, Tanith? I think it is actually, yeah, because um, if your child is not naturally motivated and they know that money is coming to them, it can just create a sense of entitlement that can rob them of their motivation. So, I mean, I always think about, you know, Paul McCartney, who's always been quite a sort of, I think, I, I obviously I don't know the details of his personal financial transactions, but I think he very much expected his children to go out and make their own way um, and not just sort of give them sort of trust funds full of millions of pounds when they turned 18. And, and you know, uh, they've turned into sort of very successful individuals. So um, I'd probably go with that, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, why... I do think that the human, human nature is... If, you know, money is a driver, isn't it? You know, it does motivate. It does. It does create impetus. Um, so I think that it's. Uh, yeah, I don't think. And if you look at the great kind of, if you look at Bill Gates, if you look at the other the other people like that, they've all they've also made that decision as well. Probably having seen what it's done to peers who've been in similar positions. Yes, and I think you can you can have these savings accounts for your children, but they don't necessarily need to know about them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's certainly not until they're older and it can come with, you know, a clear expectation. This is for a deposit for a house. This is yeah. for your first car. Um, because what we also have to be aware of is, especially in the adolescent years, is that, you know, our kids are going to be massively influenced by their peers. So even if they're relatively cautious and have got an eye to the future and have been quite okay with money, if they're surrounded by peers who go out and spend 400 pounds a night in clubs, drinking and whatever, you know, it becomes the norm. And we are therefore kind of giving this massive load of money to, to a young person who's what is normal is completely skewed. So I think you can, I think it's a very good idea for parents to have savings funds 
for their kids, but it can be very much earmarked for a specific big thing. Um, and it, it can be, uh, you could, it could come with conditions, it's up to you, but certainly it's not anything that they need to grow up knowing about, I think, because as Tanith says, we need, we need a motivator and money is a very tangible motivator for work. It, it's a motivator, but it's also incredibly powerful. And if your child is independently wealthy and free, they can do what they want. You know, they can be 17 and buy a motorbike and ride it crazily. And I suppose what, what you realize then as parents is that you, you have no control. Whereas if your child doesn't have the money to do that, then that's not an option. But or if they're relying on you and you say, we're not going to continue to sustain this lifestyle, then at least you have a degree of, of power over them. But I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Is that, you know, us just using money to exert our power? Or again, should we be letting them make those mistakes? Yeah. And it's a tricky balance. It really is a tricky balance. I think a lot of what we're talking about is trust, isn't it, really? That as parents, how can we trust our children to do what we think is best with the money that they have available to them. And I think it comes down to trust in general. You know, how do we trust our children to make the right decisions when they're out with their friends in town at the age of 13 on a Saturday afternoon? We, we have to let them go and just hope that the basics that we have given them and the foundations that we've given them is enough to help them guide them towards a, a right decision but yes I, I, when do we let go of that control it's incredibly hard isn't it and it's a very gradual process but money can become a power wielding control tool and I think as a parent if you find that is what it's become you know the only reason my child is still talking to me is because they need that money mm -hmm. then something's gone a little bit amiss somewhere and it's about you know it's time to kind of get to the core of the issue rather than to keep using money as that um sort of power tool I mean, it's so it's kind of easy to think, let's let them make mistakes because they're making, you know, bad decisions about which Lego they buy on eBay. Um, but then I guess when they're getting older and they're potentially buying alcohol, drugs, you know, things that are potentially dangerous, it's much more difficult to sit back and go, well, they need to learn about their mistakes, you know, when and I suppose that's just a conversation you have in the moment and, and a conversation you have with them. Yes. And in the context of a million conversations since they were tiny about what gives us meaning in life? What do we value in life? What kind of people do we want to become? How do we show respect? How do we show trust? You know, it's part of those millions of conversations are the conversations in teenage years about drugs, alcohol, sex, money. It, they won't just suddenly emerge out of the blue. It will be part of this big, 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 rich tapestry of conversations that we're having. I mean, the other thing we haven't talked about in regard to money is is then generosity, philanthropy and, you know, teaching them then also about that. I mean, I had I had Holly Branson on the podcast a few years ago and she said one of the things that she encourages her children to do with their pocket money is 30 percent they spend, 30 percent they save and 30 percent they give to charity. And actually, I think that's quite a nice way of sitting across the spectrum, showing children from an early age what you can do with your money, because there's got to be, you know, there are children that are very much focused on the kind of the future that maybe don't enjoy themselves that as much in the moment and then there are some children that just want to spend it all and there are some children that want to give it all away I mean the donkey charities that I would support when I was little because it was so important to me but I, I quite like the idea that you're giving to each and you sort of got a foot in each in each kind of pond as it were yeah I mean I think giving to charity is a fantastic developmental milestone isn't it it's like thinking about other people, putting them first, you know, 
imagining what life is like from other people's point of view or other animals point of view and, and it's a it's also learned within families I mean parents who tend to give to charity also have children who tend to give more to charity as well so I just think it's setting a fantastic example well, we've we've obviously we're we're recording in September. Um, Christmas is the next kind of milestone. When I was little, I remember my parents would give me twenty pounds, and with that, that was our money to kind of buy presents for the family, and um, that was quite a nice uh, project because you you felt sort of ownership, and I think it also taught us to sort of really think about a present and get excited about giving a present, but also having to budget. And I remember actually sneakily one year. <laughs> I gave all my family my art that I'd done and pocketed the twenty pounds, and have felt guilty about it ever since. <laughs> have they kept the art? No, it was terrible. It was, oh, was really it? Oh. terrible. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but but again, it comes back to generosity. And what does generosity mean? Does it does it mean, you know, uh, a, a, some bubble bath from a shop, or does it mean some art which? You know, you might have spent two minutes or two hours making it, but there's something about I've been thinking about you as I've made this. And different people really value different kinds of gifts in that way. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that just shows, you know, clever thinking. Rina. <laughs> Devious. <laughs> Thank you both so much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. I kind of hadn't really thought about money as such an important kind of milestone and, and tool in which to sort of teach our children, but it's definitely something we're going to have more, more conversations about. You have two books out that you've, you've co-written, which I'm massive fans of. We've talked obviously on the podcast about them before. Tana, tell me quickly about uh, your latest book, uh, the What's My Teenager Thinking? Yeah, so uh, What's My Teenager Thinking? That came out in March and it's the follow-up to What's My Child Thinking that I also co-wrote with Anne Harrod and both are practical child psychology for modern parents. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, they are brilliant books. It's going to really neatly sort of sort it out into different questions to which you're desperate to know the answer. So I'm a big fan. Um, they're on Amazon, any good bookshop, but are hugely recommended from me. They've, they've really helped out. I still want you to do the one for the in-between. What's my, you know, yeah, nine Yeah, we're getting ready for that, are we, Anne Harrod? <laughs> <laughs> Gearing up. Oh, good. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. That was a brilliant conversation. Thank you for downloading The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review us wherever you get this podcast from. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Ang Harrod and Tanith and myself, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.